0: Once a year we get, uh, we take a Sunday, and we just talk about generosity one time. And I actually love to talk about generosity. People ask, does it make you feel uncomfortable? Is it weird? I'm going, no, I actually love to talk about the principles and the promises uh, that God gives us that are connected to uh, generosity. And what's, what's interesting to me about this whole concept, this idea, is I can, like, talk to you guys about marriage. I can talk to you about stress. I can talk to you about faith. I can talk to you about anything in the world. And you're like, what does God say about that? Oh, thank you so much. But isn't it interesting if I say, well, let me tell you what God says about money is there is this like tension right in the room there's a little bit of this uncomfortableness people online are going maybe I should just watch something else uh this week because it's kind of this this weird this weird thing about that and and um I think that comes from a couple things and I just want to talk about this a little bit before we get into what we're going to talk about I think part of that tension comes because every one of you and I have all seen the misuse of it right like, we've seen it. You can turn on the news, and the pastor runs off with the money, or the church misuses the money. And so there's, this, there's part of us that, that thinks that all the church really wants is our money. I, I love how Vinny even shared that. Like, like, the church never reached out to him, didn't see how he was doing, but they certainly wanted his money. By the way, that's why when, when I started Journey, that was one of the commitments I wanted to make, is I, I don't want to pass an offering plate. Because I don't want people to come in here and think we want your money, and so we're going to make it hard for you to give. Like, you're going to have to actually go do it yourself, stand in the line, give in a bin. But we're not actually going to take an offering week after week, because in my heart, I want you to know that all of what God wants is your heart, and what we want and we care for you uh, is your heart. It's also why, no matter how big of a church we get, we, we personally call everyone that fills out a connection card. Uh, someone on our team actually calls them personally to make sure, because we've got to understand that, right? So it's also why, for those of you who don't know, I don't even take a salary at the this church. One of the reasons why my wife and I chose to volunteer is because we understand that too many people have misused um, this idea of giving and generosity. And so people are like, well, I, I'm going to I'm gonna discount the personal responsibility here because I just don't trust the organization or the pastor. And so that's part of that tension. Um, I think the other, other tension that we, 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 we have with this is we have this idea that when someone's teaching us about generosity, the idea is we want something from you, right? It's like, I just want your mind. I want you to give. And so it's like, okay, one more person, one more thing. God, the church, everybody wants, everybody wants something from me. The IRS wants something from me. Kids want something from me. You know, everybody wants something from me. Just add God to the list as if God is wanting or needing your money. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. How much of your money does God actually use? I mean, think about that for a moment because I know we think he wants something from us. But think about this for a moment. Like, is God up there in heaven going, man, I just wish John would give because, man, I get this new addition of my palace in heaven I want to build? And if he could just do that, then I could like, I could add that room. There's this new, OLED television, it's really kind of cool. I'm going to put that. Like, Like, we have to understand something. God is not actually using our money. Jesus, think about this. Jesus left everything up in heaven. He left all the wealth behind. To be born in a stable with nothing, to give his life and lay his life down for you and me. How much money did he take from us? What did he take to the cross? And I say all that because I want us to understand that when it comes to money, what's so fascinating to me is we think it's what God wants from us, and yet God doesn't actually use the money for himself. He uses it to bless other people, by the way. He doesn't use it for himself. God gave everything up for us, and yet there's something in us that just tells ourselves, oh, it's just something else that I've gotta do or something else God wants you know, from us, which, once again, is not in line with who Jesus is. It isn't. And yet somewhere in our minds, we've just convinced ourselves this. And what you're gonna learn today, and what I want you to understand, it isn't about what God wants from you, it's what he actually wants for you. It's like every parent in here, when your kids buy you something for Christmas with the money you gave them, Like, like it warms your heart when they give to you, but, but, but it has nothing to do with what you need from them. Does that make sense? And what I want us to understand today is I wanna kind of remove some of these things, by the way, the church is doing great, everything's fine, it, it is, is that I want us to step back and here's what I want you to see. At the end of the day, the greatest person that is blessed by generosity is actually you. And what I want you to see at the end of the day is this: we're going to look at three impacts, three blessings, three things that are at stake with you and I getting generosity right. And that's it. We're not going to take an offering today, so don't worry about it. There's no pressure. You can breathe. You know, kind of breathe easy if you're new here to journey and like that. We don't. That's why we don't do that stuff. And and my heart is just to have a conversation to go. Let me teach you what the Creator of the universe, who owns all things, who has everything, who loves you so much. I just want to teach you what He, the principles and the promises that He makes, and how much is connected to you getting this right. And that's my heart. And then at the end of the day, you can decide to do what, with that whatever you want to do, right? But I do want you to begin to understand what's at stake. So I'm going to give you three things that are at stake with you getting generosity right because I, my heart is when you understand these things, you it's not about a building project, it's not that God wants my money, but there are three things that are massively impact when we as a church, you more importantly as an individual, actually get this area right on generosity. Now, so the first thing I want us to know uh, is The first statement is this, is that your generosity impacts your heart and your soul. Now, what I mean by that is you're generous. It's not just about giving to get more. It's not just about giving to help people. And this is what I want you to see. Because for me, this is probably the biggest motivation for me to give in my life. It's the biggest motivation for me to have my children give in my life. Is I want you to understand something. That there is a direct connection to your heart. By the way, um, your heart would be your mind, your will, your emotions. Your heart, as Jesus would say, uh, or the scriptures say, it's the wellspring of your life. And what I want you to realize is that Jesus himself tells us that there is a connection between your generosity and your heart, who you are as an individual. It's much deeper than meeting a need. It's much deeper than God somehow blessing you with more. It goes into the very nature of who you are. And I want you to see something that Jesus says. Because what Jesus says, and I'm gonna read what he says, you're gonna disagree with. I'm just telling you, you're going to argue with him right now. I'm just going to tell you. So you're going to argue with him, that's fine. Don't get mad at me, get mad at Jesus. But he makes a statement that is so powerful when it comes to the area of generosity. So he's talking about giving. He's talking about your treasures. Jesus is right before this. And he's saying, hey, make sure you don't store up treasures on earth where moth and you know rust kind of you know, just mess things up and it's temporary. But, but make sure that you're investing into God, giving to God, because that's going to store up for yourself treasures in heaven forever and ever and ever. By the way, do you know there's levels in heaven? And money doesn't get you to heaven. Faith gets you to heaven. But God is gonna one day judge us, or bless us, I should say, for all that we've given to him, whatever it is we have, and for eternity, God's gonna bless us based upon what we have given. And so he's teaching that. But then he moves from this idea of being rewarded to actually the impact of giving. And here's a statement he makes. And once again, you're gonna disagree with him, I get it, but just good luck arguing with Jesus. Here you go. Here's what Jesus says. For where your treasure is, what you do with what you have, there your heart, the wellspring of your life, your soul, your nature, will be also. In other words, I want you to tell you something, and I want you to understand that there is an unbreakable connection between your heart, your mind, your will, your affection, your emotions, who you are, and what you do with what you have. And this is such a powerful thing, because here's what we tell Jesus, no, you're not right. I love you, Jesus. You don't understand? Like, I'm just sitting there, and I'm worshiping you, and I'm crying, and I don't really give, but man, I lo- no, Jesus, let me tell you. There is an unbreakable connection between your heart and what you do with your treasure. In fact, there's two things this first reveals to us. The first is this, is that your treasure is, is a revelation to your heart. In other words, um, what he's saying is, all I have to do is look at your spending, and as I look at your spending, I see what's valuable to you. Oh, I see you really love your kids. Look at all you spend there. I see you really love nice cars. I see you, that's where your affection is. I see you really love yourself because you spend a lot of money on yourself. hey, God said, Jesus, I want you to understand That as I look at your treasures and where you're investing, all they are is they're revealing the true nature of your heart. And this is why I said you disagree with them. But once again, this is what Jesus is saying. It's so important to understand that wherever your treasure has been put, it's a revelation to your heart. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like a mirror. You ever argue with a mirror? (laughs) I don't, I haven't gained weight. Oh. Like, like, like mirrors don't, mirrors, what do they do? They only reflect what's there. And sometimes they reflect what we wish wasn't there. Anybody raise your hand to that one right there? (laughs) I hate mirrors. All right. Sometimes they reflect what, what is. But at the end of the day, they never lie. And all they do is reveal truth. And what Jesus is saying is something that none of us want to hear, but he goes, let me just tell you something. I, that what we do really have, it's not just, you know, do I love God? It, it's, a, it's an exact revelation of where our heart and our affection really is. And I think that's such an important thing to understand. Here, here's the second thing um, that, that we need to understand about, about our generosity. Is, if, is that our heart, our, our heart follows our treasure right? So wherever we put our treasure, what does Jesus say? Our heart is there. Our heart follows. It's the same thing. In fact, um, the first time in my life this year, I actually made an investment in a company like a stock, and I, I've never really been into stocks, and I never really understood them, and I did money in real estate and other things, but um, never, never did that. And so we just, we just made this big investment in there. It was interesting, is all of a sudden when I put this big investment into this company, guess whose guess who's information I'm reading about all the time? Guess how many times I look at my Merrill Lynch thing? I never even had an app about Merrill Lynch before. I had no, but, but here's what I want you to see. The moment I put my treasure there, what followed? My heart. It it did, it it matters. In fact, Jesus makes a statement right after the statement of saying, hey, wherever your treasure is, that your heart will follow, there it will be. He makes this statement that I want us to understand because it's kind of powerful and it reveals how impactful giving is. It's not about just getting more, not just about helping people. And he he makes a statement about a good eye and a bad eye. Now, to understand this, uh, in, in the ancient world, good eye and bad eye were expressions, and you can go back and read these things, and they were expressions that rabbis used to describe Greed and generosity, and so if you have, you were generous, you had a good eye. You are ayin tovah. That's what that phrase is. And if you were greedy, you had a bad eye. It was ayin reah. And so you know you can look at writings. That person was that person had uh, you know a good eye, meaning they're generous. That had that person was a bad eye. They were greedy. They wouldn't. They weren't generous with what they have. And so there's a common phrase around the time of Jesus. Now, right after Jesus says, "Hey, wherever your treasures, there your heart will also be." Notice the next thing he says, and I want you not to understand this. I want you to see. What what he's saying because here's what Jesus says next. <clears throat> the I, whether it's greed or generosity, good or bad, is the lamp of the body. It reveals everything inside of you. If your eyes are good, I tova generous, then your whole body will be full of light. Like, you understand, what, when you're generous, it impacts everything that you are. But if your eyes are bad, and you're greedy, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And I love what Jesus is saying here. I'm talking about money, I don't want your money. But what I want you to understand is that what you do with what you have, it's not just about helping them. It's not just about getting more. There's an unbreakable connection to your heart, to your soul, to our relationship. It affects everything that you are. This area is so important to get right. And I say this because so many people have just put this aside and go, you know what, God, I'm going to love you in every other way, but I'm not, this is not that important. And we've justified, for whatever reason, why it doesn't matter. And Jesus, once again, all He's focused on this whole thing is, you don't realize the impact it has on every fiber of your being, your heart, your soul, and your relationship with God. Notice what Jesus ends it with. He says this. He goes, for no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters because money is, it's not just about getting more. It's not just about helping others. It actually who's first in your life. Either he will hate the one and love the other or will be devoted devotion as well to one and despise the other. There's gonna be a tension, right? You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is saying something. and I think this is so powerful. We gotta get this. He says, guys, I want you to know one of the greatest tensions and one of the greatest barriers between you and God is actually gonna be money. Now, by the way, money is not bad. Money, the Bible says, is a blessing from the Lord. Wealth is not bad. It only becomes evil when we love it and it becomes in the wrong place above God. And what Jesus is saying here is so profound about this. He goes, guys, I want you to understand something. I'm, I'm sitting here. I've left everything. I have all things. I don't need your money. But let me just tell you about something. The treasure you've been entrusted with, what you do with it, it's not just about blessings in heaven. And if you, No, it affects your soul. It affects our relationship. And one of the greatest battles you're going to have is between trusting in money or trusting in God. What is first in my life, what I have, or, or, or is God first in my life? What, what, what matters is what's this barrier between, God, my affection to you, you. Maybe some of you wonder, why don't I feel this connection with God? What's missing in my relationship with God? Can I tell you something, what if that barrier is this? Because ultimately what you've seen in this entire moment is Jesus never talked about one single need here. He never talked about one thing about getting more. And what he's talking about in this section is, hey, I want you to understand there is a deeper impact and it is your relationship with God. It is your heart, it is your soul. Isn't it interesting that when, um, when Jesus was asked, what's the first and the greatest commandment? Like, what does God want more than anything else? And you know what the scriptures say? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength. Like, that's, that's what it is. To love God. That's what God, what is God, God's in a relationship with you. And what he's saying to you is, guys, I'm not using your money. I don't need your money. But what I want more than anything else is your love and your affection. And what I understand about how your heart works is wherever your treasure goes, then you're going to follow it. And it's going to be really hard to have this intimate relationship with God, to really have this love relationship, if you're not surrendering this area to me in your life. And so the first thing, if you're taking notes, what I want you to realize is there's more at stake with giving than getting more and helping people. Now, those things are at stake. But I want you to say, there's more at stake than that. That at the end of the day, what you need to understand is you cannot disconnect, you cannot disconnect how much you love God and what you give to God. And that's Jesus saying that, by the way. You can argue with Jim. Once again, enjoy that on the way home. It'd be fun, right? So the first thing, if you're taking notes right, is, is that, your, uh, that, that your giving, your generosity, actually impacts your heart and your soul. It's far deeper than just getting more and, and, and helping other people. Now, here's the second thing that I want you to see, and that's this is that your generosity towards God unleashes God's generosity towards you. And this is probably one of the most common things you'll hear in church, because this is unfortunately the greatest motivator of people to give, because they want more. But, but I, I don't want to spend tons of time here, but here's what I want to say. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel, if you've heard of that, those guys on TV, if you just give to me, you're going to, you know, have a new Mercedes, and you're going to be rich and have everything. That's not what I'm, no, I'm talking about. What I am saying is this, is that all throughout the Scriptures, you can study this for yourself, when God talks about money and, and giving and generosity towards Him, that there is an undeniable connection between us being faithful and generous to God based upon what He would call generosity, and God blessing you. And there are promises and principles all throughout the scriptures when it comes to the area of generosity, that when we are generous to God, it actually unleashes, it's actually a test, the Bible tells us, that God is waiting at times to bless and pour his favor on, but he's waiting for us to be generous. In fact, here's a scripture I want us to see. Because once again, this is not my opinion. I want you to see the promises and the principles about you. Because when you understand them, all of a sudden it doesn't become uncomfortable. It becomes like, I wanna learn more. And here's what the Scriptures say. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And I love what the Scriptures are doing here. Because in a farming agriculture uh, community, everyone understands this principle. If you go out into a field, think about this, and you take a seed, and you throw that seed in the ground, what are you going to get? A plant. And that plant's going to give you enough, whatever it is—tomatoes, strawberry, whatever plant you plant, right? Whatever type of seed—and you're going to have a little bit based upon the little bit you plant. Now, if I plant five seeds, I'm going to get five plants. If I take a handful of seeds, what am I? I'm going to get a crop. And all of a sudden, with that crop, I'm going to have not just enough for me and my family. I'm going to have so much left over. I'm going to have stuff saved for the future, and I'm going to have stuff to be able to bless other people. With and I love what the scripture is saying. This is how generosity works: is that the more generous you are to God, who owns all things. By the way, as the Bible says, He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He has everything in His possession. The more generous we are to God, the more God unlocks or unleashes His generosity towards you and me. Now, here's a question I want to ask you: Think about this. Do you reap the harvest and eat the fruit before you plant the seed, or after? After, one person got it right. Great job. I don't know who you are, but that's great. <laughs> After. Why do I say this? Because so many people want to reverse this principle. And I can't tell you the number of people that have said to me, man, I just, when I get that raise, I'm, I'm telling you something, I'm going to give God. When I, when I get that bonus, man, I'm just starting. Man, when I get to that point, I get my debt paid off, my college, whatever it is. When, when, as soon as I get, okay, as soon as I take care of that, then I'm going to bless God. And I'm just telling you that's not the principle or the promise. The principle of the promise is you you sow first and you reap later, always. And one of the things I wanna challenge you is that maybe in your life, that the barrier between God's blessing in your life is exactly what the scripture says, is because you haven't sown into or been generous to God, God's withheld the generosity from you. Because that's once again a promise and a principle in the scripture. And I'll tell you something, the the, the single biggest time of generosity that we ever experienced from God, like the the biggest uh, moment in our life where we were blessed the most financially in life, came right. After the season, my wife and I made the biggest sacrifice financially to this church. And my point is, there's a principle all throughout the Bible. Test me in this. You're going to reap what you sow. But you're going to reap after you sow, not before you sow. And so we start by saying, okay, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And then he continues. I want to see the next part. Each one of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. And I love this, this because this is what God's saying. It's not about your money. Not reluctantly or under compulsion... For God wants you to be cheerful giver, right? Because there's a relay, he's your father. Does anybody want you to give a gift? How blessed are you when your ch- children give a gift that your wife said to you, your husband said to you, hey, you gotta give this to your mom. There's no blessing attached to it if your heart's not there. And this is why, by, by the way, this is why, by the way, this under, don't give under compulsion. That's why we don't pass an offering plate. You ever wonder why, like this is unique. We're one of the few churches that I know of that don't pass an offering plate. Why? Well, because. The heart of God is not that as we pass a plate in front of you, you feel uncomfortable. I better, I don't, I'd be weird not to put anything in. I'm gonna take what's in my pocket, here's a $20 bill, and I'm gonna give to God. Well, think about that. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people at Journey Church. Do you know how much money we could make if we passed an offering plate? But is that God's heart? Why? No, that's compulsion. I'm giving not because I want to honor God. I'm not giving because of my heart. I'm giving because I don't want to look bad in front of someone else. And that's not the heart of God. And so we made the decision to go, you know what we want to do? We want people to give because they love God. We we'll want people to give because God's put something in their heart. They want to be faithful and obedient. They want to be generous. They want to help other people. So if people want to give, there's a giving box in the back where they can actually go online and do it. But we're not even going to give you an opportunity or a space to do it here under compulsion because we want you to do it for the right way. Why? Because at the end of the day, your father wants you to do it because of you love him. And you want to be a cheerful giver, right? And so he goes, here's what I want you to do. That giving and generosity aren't something you should do on an emotional whim. It should be something that what? That you need to be... Give what your heart's decided. You've planned it. You've thought about it. You've budgeted it. You've prayed about it with your family. You've had a conversation. And after that all, God, here you are. I owe you everything. Everything's from you and for you. Here, God, I trust your principle, and I'm going to give. By the way, that's why we do it the way we do it journey, if you wondered. Because when you give it journey, it's something you have to think through. You actually have to take steps to do it. Like, it's not just done for you by us. You've got to make those choices and decisions. And we believe that's a biblical thing, and that's why we do it. And then he ends with this, and I want you to see this. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, see, there's the promise, a promise again, right, that you will abound in every good work. As is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteous endures forever. In other words, once again, God says, here's what I do. I have the ability to bless you, and I love this, in all things. See, so often we just think we give to get more money. But can I tell you, there's a lot of people with a lot of money that are miserable. Yes. Because part of the favor and the blessing that God gives you is your heart, joy, peace, right? Purpose, impact. Like, so in other words, when I talk about God's blessing, it's not just I gave a check for 100 and God gave me 200 No, it's that I gave a check to God or I honored God, and he blessed me in all things. And then he ends with this statement. He says this. Now, he who supplies the seed to the sower. what does he say? God saying I'm the source of everything that you have and the bread for food will also supply an increase in your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, what is God saying here? I'm giving you a promise. You trust me in this area and you watch me bless you. Now, you can take that whatever you want, you can turn that into a superficial thing, or you can say, God, you know, I love the fact, and I actually love this about God, I love the fact that God entrusts every one of us, and by the way, He entrusts us with different things, I get that, but He entrusts every one of us and says, here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna sit back, and the people that will trust me, the people that will love me and be faithful to me, Like Jesus, who's faithful a little, be entrusted with more, I will bless with more. It's a biblical promise, it's a biblical principle. It's not a money-making scheme, it's not a get-rich scheme. It's a biblical promise and a biblical principle that you will reap what you sow. And for some of you, my heart is simply this. I don't want you to give just to get rich. That's not my heart, that's why I don't make a big deal of this one at all. It's never been my motivation as well. But, but I do want you to understand this. There is a promise that says, if you will trust me in this, God will be faithful, right? So, so point number one, right? That your generosity, your generosity impacts your heart and soul. It's not just about getting more, right? It's about who you are. It's huge. The second one is that your generosity unleashes God's generosity towards you. And the third and final one, right? The third and final one is this, is that your generosity, I want you to see this, is God's plan to transform the world. This is the one external piece. And I want you to see this. Now, this isn't just external, by the way, because when you're generous and you're a part of making a difference in the world, I truly believe that that leads to fulfillment and purpose and meaning. And and they've done studies of this, people that are generous and the people that are servants, these people are the happiest people in life. So I still think it's a personal blessing. But here's what I want you to see is that God actually has a plan to take this broken, messed up world. By the way, anybody think this world broken? (laughs) Okay, all right. And he has a plan to transform the whole world. Okay? That's not just a statement, not just our community. I'm talking the whole world. And I want you to see, you see this in the Bible, how that, how that your generosity is actually God's plan to actually bless the entire world. And so um, we're gonna go to the book of Malachi in a moment and God is having a conversation through a prophet named Malachi with the people. And the people have come to God, and they've complained. And they want to know, God, why have you not been holding your blessing? In other words, why are we struggling financially? That's the question they have. Why have you hid yourself? Why Why is everything in my house breaking? Why is all these things going wrong? Like, what's happening, God? You promised to bless us, and you have not. And God responds to the prophet and says, hey, let me tell you why. It's because of this very area you I, I gave you a rule and I gave you a command on what to be generous to me. And he says, you're actually robbing me of your generosity. And because you have not done that, you're reaping what you're sowing. I have withheld my generosity for you. Now, here's what I love about God. He wasn't interested in beating them up for the past. And he's a father. Remember that, right? we got to get this angry religious picture out of God. He's a father who disciplines a child not to punish them, but to transform them. And so he's having this conversation with him, and he goes, Hey, listen, let me tell you why you're in the predicament. Because you didn't trust me, and because you didn't trust me, and you spent everything on yourself, I withheld my blessing. And because I own everything, this is why you're having lack in your life. But then God goes, But let me tell you how to fix this. And I love this about God. Because not, he's not interested about staying in our past. He wants to help us forward. And then he answers the question and he tells them what they should do. And once again, the next step of this is he explains why and how your giving or generosity can transform the world. And so here's his response to the people. He says this, I want you to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's, that's his response to their question. Now, so here, here's a couple things to look at. First of all, uh, what is a tithe? A tithe is 10%. So that word literally means 10%. So what is he saying? The storehouse is what? God's house, the temple. So here's what he says. You want to know the solution? You want to unlock the generosity? By the way, you want to see how I'm going to transform the world? Here's this. I want you to bring the whole, that means all of it, of your income into God's house. It's a very clear, like it's not very vague of what God has called us to do. And and if we're gonna be generous, that that starts with, I mean the floor was, that 10% of your income brought into the storehouse of God. And then by the way, God promises to once again bless the rest of our lives and bless those other areas. Now, um, for some of you that are newer to the faith or you're walking with God for a while, you're like, well. I mean, that's the law. And Jesus came and he kind of like, he died on the cross so we're not under the law anymore. So I don't think we have to do that anymore. Can I just challenge you with that? Um, Do you realize the tithe uh, and giving 10% to God is all throughout the Bible? In fact, you can go all the way back to the book of Genesis uh, which is with a man named Abraham, and he takes 10% of what he has and he brings it to a priest named Melchizedek You can read it in the scriptures for yourself. And, and so that's before, by the way, God gave the law. And then when God came to Moses to say, hey, I'm gonna teach you how to live, he goes, I'm gonna give you this command to take 10%, by the way, the first 10%, the first fruits, it wasn't what was left over. You take the first 10%, Moses said, you bring it into the storehouse, and then as you do that, God promised to bless the rest of the 90% to go far farther than if you would have kept all of it for yourself and to bless you, the first 10%. That's what you're supposed to do. And then you can go all the way to Jesus. You can read it in Matthew 23, 23. And he tells people, hey, you should, he literally uses the word, you should tithe. And so what you see is it has nothing to do with the law. It is before the law, after the law, and during the law. It's the same principle over and over and over again that God says, I want you to take my, my family. I want, I want you to take 10%, the first 10% of what you make. And you, it's not for Aunt Sally or Aunt Becky. It's not to just, you know, go people where your heart. It's bring it to my storehouse house, and that's what you're called to do. By the way, the reason why that's so important is this. So often when I talk about generosity, like we do, the the reason why people love the word generosity over tithe is generosity. You can feel generous without being generous. In fact, what's amazing in today is if you measured most people, most people, by the way, give, most Christians, by the way, give about 2% just so you know, worldwide, Uh, or excuse me, not worldwide, in America, 2%, not not 10%. Um, And yet, if you ask most Christians if they were generous, they would say they were. They give 80% less than the minimum that God has said and defined generosity as, right? But they feel generous. In fact, we've got to the point now, you can go on social media, and you can just make a statement about something in need, and you feel generous. Now, see, see, generosity, I just encourage you, generosity is not a feeling, it's an action. You are not generous because you want to do something. You're only generous when you actually do that thing. And the reason why I think it's so important that we we have this conversation about what a tithe or 10% is, is because when I'm talking about generosity and and how it unlocks and unleashes the blessing of God, what I want us to understand is we got to make sure that that God is defining what generosity is on ourselves. Because God isn't judging your generosity based on your standard. It's on His standard. And what you see through all the scripture is, is that God created a plan that we bring 10% into his storehouse and God says, test me that I don't bless you and I'll, I'll do so many great things. You'll see that in a moment. But here's what I want to focus on now. Why? Why in the world does God want all of us to take 10% of everything that we have, like, you know, our, sour, our income, if you will, and bring it to his storehouse that he doesn't use? Why? And he answers it in the very next verse. Look what, look what it says. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Why? That there may be food in my house. And we'll get to that in a moment, right? Notice what he says this test me in this, the only place in the Bible says, the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, right? You reap what you sow and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And I love God's heart. He says, guys, listen, you, you, you actually withheld from me to be greedy to spend on yourself. But as a result, you actually lost far more because you missed out on my generosity. And once again, you see the same promise. That your generosity towards God or tithing, your obedience and, and generosity towards God will unleash God's blessing towards you. But why? And here's the principle. That there may be food in my house. Now, understand a couple thousand years ago, what was the source of life? Food. And in the ancient world, they didn't have Publix or shipped. Boy, that shipped is awesome, by the way. It's amazing. You don't even go to the store anymore, by the way. It's awesome. Right? Right? But you you didn't just walk around. You couldn't just get hamburgers and keep them in in a refrigerator. That food was literally the source of life. And here's what I love what God's saying is. I want... There to be so much money that we can buy so much food and help that the source of life in a community in the world is actually my house. Do you see what he's saying? Words, I, I want what well, Jesus. I want the church to be the light of the world. I, I've actually, I, I want the church to be the reason why the problems in the world are solved. I want governments to come to the church because we don't have anything, but man, you've got so much. I want God to get I want everyone in the world to know how much God loves them and how much He's going to meet their needs because His storehouse is so filled with resources that we're out serving and making a difference in the world. This is why, once again, we have two people on our staff, their whole job, Amanda was out here early at the Lake Word Campus, and and, um, she leads that area. And all we do is give money and time and treasures and talent away to help people. And we work with the local governments, and we work with foster care, and we work with so many different things, and we meet needs, and we meet with the city officials, and the police, and go, what do you need? Okay, here's how we're gonna help. And guys, that's my purpose. That's why we have 800 kids plus that we feed, clothe, and educate in Haiti and take care of. It's why we do First Saturday Serve and we go all around. It's why we have student ministries and children's ministries we're pouring into the generation. It's how thousands of people, at Journey at least, have given their lives to Jesus and their souls and their eternal destinies transformed. Why? Because God goes, that's the way I designed my church to do. But but here's what I want us to see. Here's what I want us to see. People are like, well, why does the church do more? Well, because... The church is running on 20% of what we're supposed to. We do a lot and we're blessed. And by the way, we're doing amazing. Best year, like, we're doing great. But, but what I'm saying is, could you, I think, what could we do if every one of you tithe? In fact, they did a study on this. Billy Graham's grandson, he's actually spoken here before. Um, he's a good friend. I love and he has a. He, he runs the National Christian Foundation and they're, they impact all over the world. And they actually did a study on this. And they, they, they did this study based upon the national income of all the, the, the countries and the Christians and the percentage of Christians. They said, you know what, if, if every Christian were to tithe, this is the brilliance about God. I want you, to, I just love, this This blew my mind. If every Christian were to tithe, that the church, not the government, the church could end all world hunger. The church could not only will end all world hunger, could also end illiteracy in the entire world, give clean water to the entire world, Give food once again to the entire world. And at the end of that, do you know how much would be left in God's storehouse? One year? A hundred billion dollars left over. Here's why I say this. I say this. God is brilliant. He's brilliant. He says, I have built a plan. It's amazing. And here's how it works. Is every one of you, it doesn't feel, oh, it doesn't feel like a lot. No, no, it is a lot because when everybody takes their first 10% and they bring it to my storehouse, then I bless them tremendously and they end up having more. And then my storehouse is the light of the world. And then the government isn't where they turn. It isn't military to turn. It's the house of God. And then the world knows how much I love them because they see and they associate God with loving and caring and and meeting needs, not just judgment, by the way. And they see all of these things and the world is transforming. Transformed? Why? Because we tithe. See, I want us to understand something because I think so often we go, like, oh, I don't have a lot. I don't, it doesn't really make a difference. No, it makes a difference. In fact, the reason why I think the church isn't, one of the main reasons the church isn't doing what God is called to do in the world is this. Because around the world, there's lack in the house of God because we've justified so much like we do so often with God's commands. Well, you know what? I know what he said, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I know what he says, but you know what? For me, later on, when I, you know, and what's happened is piece by piece and person by person, we've robbed the house of God. And now the house of God is not getting God the glory and making the difference in the world. And I want you to understand, there is power that starts with your obedience. Yes, amen. You're not responsible for what your neighbor does. You are responsible for what you do. And when you do what Malachi said there, we kind of go back there for a second real quick, right? Not only does God, is there food in God's house, but is, he, he blesses you in so much. In fact, I want to kind of close with this. What's at stake? We'll get there. And there we are. Your generosity impacts your heart and your soul. It's not just about getting more, right? Not about them. Your generosity toward God unleashes God's generosity towards you. And lastly, your generosity is God's plan to transform the world. And the reason why I wanted to share all these things with you is simply that. Now you, 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 you're in the tension now. What Jesus said would be the tension between you and God. What are you going to do with it? Like we're not asking for your money. Like we're not going to pass an offering plate. You can't use that as an excuse, right? Um, and so the question what I want to wrestle with today is: Like, w- w- what are you? This is the truth. This is what God's promised. So, what? What? Are, what's your part? And I, and I say this. This I was, I was thinking about this, and I was like, what can I leave? With? Like it, it, when it comes to this, like it, once a year, really talk about this. And I was like, what? 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 what can I leave you with? And here's the one word, you can trust him. And and I was wrestling with that, and I was thinking about that, and maybe it's because of what I'm walking through or whatever, but it was like this idea of going, like I was like, God, what can I leave on? I was just praying for you guys. And at the end of the day, I felt like I'd say, that they can trust me, that I know it's scary. I know it costs you something, but at the end of the day, God is faithful to his promises and principles. And there's so many of us that are missing out on what God wants to do in our lives and our heart and so much because we don't trust. See, I say this because earlier this year, um, my wife came to me and she's like, God's been stirring my heart that we're supposed to give this really large gift to the church. And um, I'm, first of all, I'm proud of her for, for making that uh, statement to me and having that conversation. So we prayed about it together and I felt the same thing. And as you know, I already give back all my salary, so don't take that. And, um, we, we ended up feeling like God put a number on our heart that would make us actually the biggest giver in our whole church this year. Um, and it, it was a lot, it was, it was a lot. It would be years of salary, it was, a, um, in many ways, it was like my, our safety net is what it was. And, and like I said, I'm not crying poor, God's blessed us so much, so please don't hear that. Like We're, we're incredibly, amazingly, unbelievably blessed financially, my wife and I. But, but um, sometimes if you know that, there's a little security you have in your life and that feels, makes you feel more comfortable. There were some projects we wanted to do, we didn't need them, but there were some projects we wanted to do in the house that we're gonna go, well, now we can't do. And, and so we, we ended up giving that back in March and we are like, okay, God, we're gonna, be, we're gonna be obedient. And I say this all because we, we did, we, we wrote the check, we, we, we honored God. And that was, I think in March somewhere in that we started that process and now we're in, what, October. And I, I can be honest with you, I, um, like I, I haven't gotten any financial blessing. You know how you all, the only stories you hear are, I gave to God, and then I got really, you know you know you hear those stories? But see, I'm not at that point yet. I mean, I've been at that point in the past. I'm at that point right now where I'm right in the middle of the tension, where it's like, okay, God, um, like that was kind of our safety blanket, but I don't know if you know there's inflation happening right now. Anybody know there's inflation happening right now? <laughs> And so our little nest egg that we had to kind of live on, all of a sudden, that doesn't look so much anymore. I don't know where it's going, but man, and so I'm feeling a little tension there. I don't know if you guys are feeling that tension, those of you who retired thought you had enough, and you're like, oh, wow, it is amazing how in one year, things can just go like that, right? And so I'm in that tension, right? Where it's like we gain, and there's some things that have happened in the house. We've actually had some problems in the house, I and mean, a lot of things break, and it's like, man. And so I say all of this to say, in the middle of this, we've given this gift. We haven't experienced like we don't know how God's, but here's the thing, that they what I felt. When I when I feel anxious and stressed, and by the way, yeah, I'm a pastor, but I still feel those things. But in those moments of prayer, what, what what's really hit me more than anything else is, but God, I trust you. And I don't know how you're gonna provide. I, I don't know what it's going to be like. Or I don't know if you just wanted to test my heart to make sure that what I have doesn't ever get in the way or become more, more important than you and you just protect. I don't understand it all and I don't need to. And I haven't even seen, if you will, that, that financial blessing that based upon the report yet. But you know what, God, at the end the day, I just trust you. And as I was thinking about this to you guys, I understand that for so many of you, that's exactly where you're at. It's not that you don't want to, you want to, but you're just afraid. And it's not, you just, you struggle with the area of trust. And so I just want to challenge you and encourage you. You can trust Him. And so there's a couple of things I want to help us do at the end, to try to help you. And the first thing is, there's a book that, um, like, that I think is great. I have it back here behind my little TV. It's called The Blessed Life. And... I didn't write it. I don't get anything from it. In fact, it costs us money when you take it. <laughs> um, and here's what I wanted to do because I think this is such a big thing. When you look at all the things this impacts on your life and as a church, we wanna pastor you and help you. Um, what we wanted to really do is go, what can we do? Like in 35 minutes, I can't give you everything that you need to understand about the principles and the promises and to build your faith. And so this this book had a major impact on this church as well as my own personal life. And it's one of the best books I've ever read on understanding generosity of the Lord and building your faith. So here's what I want to do for you. We have them available at Boynton here at Lake Worth, at the lobbies. And um, there's a card in front of your seat, except for one of you, because I took one of your cards. But uh, And... If you'll just commit to read it, you put your name, this is a promise to read it. In the next 60 days, by the way, so it's not just some point, we'll just give you the book. And I think it costs us, by the way, 10 or $15 every single book. I don't know exactly what it was, but, um, so it's an investment we're making in you. And the reason is simply this. I just, like, like, what we do in so many ways is to help you. We want you to experience everything with God in every area of your life. And I just know that this is a struggle for so many. And I'm just telling you something. You go on this faith journey. You start being obedient, and God will do what he promises to do. And he's going to bless you in all areas of your life, your heart, what he entrusts you with, the impact. The inf- like there's so much at stake with this one thing. And if you're not ready, I get that. Once again, I'm not taking an offering. Just you're not committing to give a dollar, by the way. All I would want you to commit to. We don't want to waste the money, right? We we want to be good stewards of what's been entrusted to us. And if you're willing to read the book for sixty days, it's our gift. You get it up in the lobby at Supplies Last. For those you're online, I'm sorry. I wish we could mail it. Uh, you can get them on Amazon, um, but we'll just give them, we're just give. We're just going to give them to you. But you're committing to read that. You have to just hand sign this card walk out to the lobby, in both of our lobbies, hand it to them, no questions asked, they're going to, just gonna give you um, this book for you to read. We also have something called a tithe challenge on our, our website, we always have that up, where if, if people really wanna do it, they can simply go on our website, you can click on 90 day tithe challenge, if you wanna to commit to tithe for 90 days, at the end of those 90 days, you go, man, I just I don't have any money, God didn't bless me, I'm not promising he's gonna do it in 90 days, I'm not putting a timeline on God, but if you want, we'll just give you all your money back, no questions asked. In fact, we had one person do that uh, last year for the first time, and. I don't even know who they are. We didn't ask. Here you go, refunded every penny. And the reason why we do that is this, it's not about your money. It's about your heart. And that's between you and the Lord. And what I wanna do is remove any barrier. So all that's left is the realization of, okay, God, do I really wanna do this or not? And that's the heartbeat that we have for you. Because at the end of the day, here's what I want you to see, what you do with this. It's gonna impact your heart and soul. You can't disconnect what you feel about God and what you give to God. Your generosity towards it unleashes God's generosity to you. you. You always have to sow before you reap. And lastly, your generosity is actually God's plan to change the whole world. And all of this centers around with what you do, with what you have. So let me pray over you as we go forward this week. God, I know so many people are wrestling with this. I know there's so much you wanna do. God, I know this is a barrier for some people and you wanna do something in them. May this not be about judgment or conviction or making them feel bad. May this be about you as a father wanting to work on this area of their lives. And God, as we're faithful, God, I pray that we as a church are the light of the world. God, I pray that you just unlock the blessing and favor in their lives, God, and use that to draw their hearts closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.